There we go. Yay. <laughs> Happy spiritual counseling training. So let's start with a prayer. Take this breath of love and gratitude, so grateful and so thankful for infinite love, intelligence, divine wisdom and clarity flowing through us, as us and all around us. So grateful that we are one with the one, already one. (laughs) So grateful and thankful to open ourselves to a free flow of divine love, intelligence, We partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self and we remember I am that I am and I am one with the I am presence of every being everywhere. So grateful to affirm that our conversation is a divine dialogue that God is having with himself by means of us. And we're grateful this is so. We're grateful to be included. And we declare that this conversation is expansive, uplifting, healing, and nourishing. It's joy-filled. In gratitude, we let it be, and so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. So, welcome, and uh, Rainbow said she's going to have to listen later. Amina said she's not feeling well. She's uh, left work. She's on her way home, so she's going to join us a bit in a bit. And um, I didn't hear from Barbara, so that's you and me, Jesse. Oh, nice. Yep. Hmm. And I am in. Oh, I'm just flying high. We had a wonderful class with Venerable today. It was just so expansive and yummy, and uh, just. It's a gorgeous day here in Kauai, and I feel so grateful for my life. That's great. Yeah, how are you today? Good. I'm good. Um, Yeah, no, really good. Uh, Just had a little power nap in between. I was uh, working with some training clients and exercised myself a little bit, and had a moment, and now I'm getting into phase two, which is inspire phase. <laughs> a different yeah. outfit. <laughs> different outfits are required. So, yeah. Uh, uh, so, yeah. So, uh, just having a little snack and doing a little check-in with you, which is, sounds perfect. And, um, yeah, and uh, ready to rock. So, it's good to connect with you. It's always good to uh, be able to have time with you. Sure. Yes, I agree. So uh, has anything been coming up for you in terms of questions about uh, working with folks or counseling or anything? Um, Yeah, I, I mean, I suppose, I mean, listen, I am, the more I do the work, the less I question myself. I think initially I was questioning myself and my choices a lot. Um, and uh, I guess 
I mean, here's, here's a question. I mean, is there a difference in your opinion between a spiritual mind treatment and a counseling session? Yes. And could you, could you share the, sure. the differences? Yeah, yeah. So spiritual mind treatment is the science of mind style of prayer, which is the five stages that Ernest Holmes taught. And um, which is really derived from, in a sense, the Christian science mind treatment um, that Mary Baker Eddy established. And um, Mary Baker Eddy's uh, number one student, Emma Curtis Hopkins, was the teacher of Ernest Holmes. She was also the teacher of Charles and Myrtle Fillmore, who started the Unity Church. Uh, so um, that's the teaching of Ernest Holmes, the science of mind treatment, those five stages, which are unification. Uh, oh, boy, I haven't said them in a long time. Uh, no, unification is number two. Um Unification, realization, thanksgiving, release. What's the first one? Can't even think of it. Um, hmm, that's funny. And then uh, counseling is uh, its a conversation. It's a dialogue. And I define it as I'm there to be that field of unconditional love so that I can join with the person or the couple or the group to uh, be in that field of the two or more who are gathered in the name and the nature of love, the Christ, for the purpose of knowing the truth that sets us free, which is healing. And in the context of that counseling session, I um, sorry, I got I got thinking about the five stages again. Um, uh, I am going to speak prayer at the beginning and at the end. And the way I speak of prayer, I'm always thinking of it in terms of that treatment. It, especially in a counseling session. Now, if I were uh, doing, a, you know, a, a, a blessing of food, I, I wouldn't necessarily do it as a spiritual mind treatment, but um, or I'm doing a, a benediction, I wouldn't necessarily do it as a spiritual mind treatment. But I, I tend to because why not go the extra mile? Is the way I feel about it. Why? Why not go for making it a truly healing prayer, not just a blessing prayer? Mm-hmm. Yep. So that, that to me is the difference. Okay. I, uh, it's interesting. I, um, I definitely, through the, through the counseling process, have discovered that my preference lies in working with groups, working at the group level. Um, and I just took that on as good information. You know, I'm, I'm 
thrilled to be able to uh, work with whomever <clears throat> reaches out to me, for sure. Uh, and I learn so much with each session. But through the experience of counseling, I've definitely, I definitely am clear with myself that my preference is working with groups. Um, I like the group dynamic. I like the opportunity to pull from different perspectives. I love how um, the group teaches one another through the insights and um, how the one-mindedness really expresses through different perspectives, but so nourishing and informative. Um, I think that uh, sometimes with you know, I, I'm, I'm on the regular, right now, regularly, I'm seeing one person on a regular basis. I have the occasional drop-ins, uh, but, um, and I don't really have much time in my schedule to see more than, I have a couple hours each week that I can devote to counseling, and I have it available if people so choose to uh, take advantage of it. And I have one uh, girl who comes in regularly, and, you know, she's, it's it's interesting. I find myself, Jennifer, sometimes not looking forward to the experience because, and I mean, obviously I prepare myself through prayer uh, beforehand before she gets there and I get the space um, ready. But it's like, it feels like no matter how much work we do together, she just doesn't want to let go of this. Like, I mean, in every area. Of, I mean, we've gotten to the space where we were able to see a pattern in every area of her life that she feels bullied and victimized in every area of her life, from her professional life to her family life. We've explored some of the experiences of how that's happened, and we've really worked on how do we uh, begin to heal that. And we've, uh, I mean, I I currently, I uh, she's doing a forgiveness letter once, at least one a week, and we uh, she brings it in and we explore and we talk about what's come up and what insights she's had, and inevitably, it's like she, it's almost like she doesn't want the healing, and I feel like she doesn't want to change. You know what I mean? Well, I can't say that. That's 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 untrue. She wouldn't be seeing me at that if she didn't if she wasn't interested in healing. But it really seems like she's much more interested in her story. And it's gotten to the point where, like, she'll say something, and, I'm, and I'll just say, there's your victim story. And she'll say something else, and, like, there's the victim story again. So it causes her to pause and relook at it. And, like, is that actually true? And we realize that half the time it's just a fantasy. It's just a fantasy she thinks up in her head because she actually has no proof whatsoever that anyone has ever done anything to her it's all in her mind to the to the point where I you know this is where I get concerned is that I feel like it, I don't want to diagnose her I'm not a doctor and I know the truth about her but it feels like there's paranoia something in there like and it, and it feels like it's you know I'm not sure how. I don't know. It's it's confused. It's something I really think about because I I'm not. I'm going to be vigilant and holding the truth about her. I'm going to continue to breathe into that. I'm going to continue to walk the path with her 
uh, and going to continue to hold the space and know the truth and speak to that. And we pray in and we pray out. We meditate and we do. I've given her everything that I can possibly think of that could support her. And it's like every week it's like starting over again, you know. It's a whole thing of, you know, she gets so overwhelmed that it's hard for her to leave the house sometimes or go out into whatever. And, uh, you know, she will do her you know, I think that sometimes she does her best and sometimes she's telling me that she's doing her best, that, but she just goes right back into the old habits and stuff that uh, triggers the old belief systems and stuff like that. And it gets to a place where it's like, honey, I don't know what else I can do for you. If you're not willing to do the work, there's not much more we can do, you know, or at least if you're, if, instead of just going through the motions of the work, really allowing it to, to do what it's designed to do, you got to believe that it's possible and... I don't know what else to do. <laughs> you don't. Um, and I mentioned this to one of my mentors, one of the members of the Gay Elder Circle. He's a longtime therapist and psychologist, and we have lunch about once a month. And he was just talking about, he's really been great as far as talking about um, our responsibility as someone who is uh supporting other people in that capacity, and he's really big into the ethics of the process. And um, and uh, it's been really good because uh, he's a gay man, and he has a very predominantly gay uh, clientele, and so he can speak to specific things that I've experienced. Um, and, you know, he said that psychologists take an oath of, you, you don't necessarily, you don't really fire clients. You know, um, you see it out. Uh, and that's what the ethical thing to do is. And, and I'm not interested in firing anybody. I'm, I, I'm really interested in uh, the healing. And, and I've done Ho'oponopono. I'm setting her free in my mind. I'm really interested in I'm exploring the judgments that come up through me about her and then releasing them so I can just see her. I've meditated seeing her free, seeing her light, seeing her all of these things in my practice. I pray for her. I keep putting it out. It has to be having a healing effect, and yet every time she comes back, it's like starting from square one again. And uh, I'm just not sure what else to do. I mean, and I've been seeing her now for months and months. So what do you <laughs> what do you have to say about that? Okay. Yes, such a good question, and welcome, Amina. Uh, so why is this happening in your life experience? Um, I mean, I know enough to know that it's obviously nothing, there's no coincidences, and uh, I definitely have gone to the Holy Spirit to say, what is this for, what is this for? You know, um, what is it, what's here for me? And if, if there's any questions that I don't know, that I'm not asking, that would support me in understanding more deeply, what would they be? And, you know, the invitation obviously always comes up to, well, what, what are the repeat patterns that you are not releasing in your life? Explore that for yourself. And um, where, where do you keep, you know, where are you going through the motions, but you're not really allowing the um, work to, do what it's designed to do in your own life. And uh, that's definitely been, you know, for me, uh, it's really 
brought up a lot of t- a lot of thought about loving discipline, um, especially you know like still learning how to be as it's not it's, it's interesting like since I got married, it's a different dynamic in my house to where I don't just get to especially when my mom was living with us, but it's 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 more you know, I have to be really diligent in creating time for my own practice and stuff, or it's just not going to happen because there's only you can't do the level of work that you can do when you know someone is you know where where you feel the energy of someone or someone trying to be quiet coming into the room to get something. You know, like you feel you, it, it. There's an awareness of the person there, so. It's taken me to, I've been going to the center a lot when no one's there to do my practice. Um, and that's been helping me a bit. And that, that was my sort of my insight is, well, where are you not, you know, where are you going to motions? What's, what's going on here? Where are you not allowing healing to unfold that's ready to unfold? What stories are you telling yourself and all that? But that's been my biggest invitation. And I'm still doing that explorative work because obviously there's more work to do because it's still happening. Yes, yes. You know, and the the other thing, Jesse, is it's really for your training, too, as a minister. And, you know, um, so you started by saying uh, you're, you, you don't feel called to do a lot of session work, and... Um, I'll just say this. As you were talking about it, this is what came into my awareness. I I honestly think that in many ways, uh, all the work I did as a counselor, seeing people as a practitioner, prepared me for ministry. And as you know, I have many friends who are ministers. Some who have done a lot of counseling and some who have done a little. And I'm just like running through the Rolodex in my mind of ministers who I know have done a lot of counseling versus the ones I know who've done a little. And the ones who have done a lot, honestly, I feel like just based on this, cursory look at things using my intuition the ones who've done a lot of counseling are much better ministers than the ones who haven't now a minister is different from a speaker or a writer uh, because a minister is all these things a, a minister is a leader and a teacher and uh has many more skill sets than, say, just a speaker. And uh, you you have to have a business sense. And if you're running an organization like you are, many ministers don't run an organization. They just speak. They just write. Um, or they run a, a, a small organization related to their books and their speaking. It's working one-on-one with people is an opportunity to really expand your awareness 
of how is it that things are the way they are in such a, a, a profound way of understanding that you could never get from a class or a book, but that you can get by being the two or more who are gathered with someone. And as I shared in the the intensive training that we did, when I started counseling people and um, when I started teaching workshops and classes, a large portion of the people that came to me were people who were extremely entrenched in patterns, ego patterns, extremely, just like exactly like you're talking about, you know, very different variations, but people who felt completely bad, wrong, unworthy, paranoid, people who had chronic pain and diseases, people who were having um, uh, panic attacks, anxiety attacks, uh, people who were in abusive relationships, um, just the gamut, the absolute gamut. And I don't know how I ever would have learned so much about these precise mental patterns, mental, emotional patterns and belief systems, and how to unwind them if I hadn't sat with those amazing, beautiful, wondrous people. So it became such a wealth of knowledge to me. Profound. I... And it is, there is a level of intensity and focus that is required when working one-on-one with someone that's different than, oh, leading a workshop and things like that. Now, leading a workshop, if you're doing it well, you're very focused to the energy of all the people in the room, the dynamics in the room and how they're relating to each other and all of that. Now, a lot of people don't know how to do that, don't really do that. They just have an idea of something that they're going to teach and share and the way they're going to do it, and they just go about doing that without actually feeling into the flow of energy in the room and monitoring it and and really taking things in a very specific direction, but also being willing to flow with the, the the healing requests that are happening invisibly from the heart of the people in the room. And so for me, being able to have, having had all that experience working one-on-one with people, it really prepared me for being able to attune to people in a in a, group, a large group, too, uh, and be able to work with a large number of different kinds of personalities and, situ, you know, um, group dynamics and individual dynamics. Because when I first started doing workshops, I did a lot where people were, because of what I was teaching in those workshops, 
uh, about energy healing back then, uh, there were people inevitably who would show up every time who would challenge me and say, I think this whole thing you're talking about is just bullshit. I just think it's utter bullshit. And, uh, or I was teaching about nonviolence and people would say, I just think that this is bullshit, you know? And so everybody in the room would look at me and think, what's she gonna say? What's she gonna say that you said she's bullshit? What's she gonna do, you know? And so I, because of my willingness and experience of doing the one-on-one work, I could work one-on-one with that person in such a way that the whole group could benefit. I don't know how long it would have taken me to develop all these skills and to be able to do my radio show and the different things that I do if I hadn't done all that one-on-one counseling. It's just a question. Mm. It's Here's the thing. You know, Course in Miracles says so beautifully. It says rest comes from waking, not from sleeping. So when we're doing session work with someone and it feels tiring, I mean, I have done session work. I had a client once, and I say this confidentially. I had a client once who one of the conditions that they had physically was they had, I forget what it's called, it's like narcolepsy. You know what that is? That's when you you can't stay awake. You're just falling asleep all the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So they had some version of narcolepsy where they would, they like, you know, they had real issues. They would just fall asleep, you know, randomly throughout the day. You know, they had to be very mindful about driving, and so they didn't fall asleep while they were driving. And uh, it was a real challenge for them, as you can imagine. You know, imagine if just you would be spontaneously, you know, you're at dinner, you fall asleep, you know. And it's not that you're physically tired, you just can't stay awake. It's overpowering you, you know. Like, what do you do? So this was one of the issues that this client came to me for. Help me with that. You know, I've seen all these doctors and experts and blah, 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 and it's not helping me, I need other help with this. Maybe spiritual help can help. And let me just tell you that, for the, and I work with them on a very regular basis, two, three times a month, sometimes every week, for years. And um, until about the last six months of working with them, I had to do everything in my power not to fall asleep in their presence. I mean, I had to, I had the coffee up, I had to peppermint oil up, and, you know, be constantly sniffing peppermint oil on a Kleenex during the whole session, and be totally focused on them. I could not let my mind wander, because if my mind wandered at all, I would become sleepy in their presence. That's how strong that pattern was in them. But we 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 got to it. We broke it up, and uh, but it was thick. It was thick, and so 
it, it can seem tedious and boring to talk to the same people about the same things over and over again. It can seem like either I'm doing something wrong or they're spiritually stupid. You know, they're just totally unwilling. And in all of that, I would say, just think of Dr. Hugh Lynn. What would he do in the face of that? What would he do? Any thoughts, questions about that? Yeah, no, it all makes sense. I, I understand that it's all, you know, it's part of my individual curriculum as we all have it. And so I, I, uh, I'm grateful for these opportunities so I can just, you know, check in and remind myself of that. And, uh, yeah, I like taking, I, I, I really aspire to take full responsibility. Um, and it's challenging to do sometimes. It's really easy to go into, uh, to believe the story that they're coming in with sometimes. Uh, and, uh, but I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in being able to, and let me tell you, like, it, it is, I get, I'll, I'll, I mean, it seems weekly I get the opportunity to not get defensive and uh, to let go of, you know, uh, to, to really practice that, to really strengthen um, my understanding of uh, the truth, to see the truth, to see the holiness, you know, uh, to practice forgiveness. Um, and, uh, you know, the whole Ho'oponopono method is a brilliant way to really strengthen our ability uh, to act responsibly um, in the most loving sense of that word. So thank you. Yeah, it's the best practice in the world. It really is. It is such a, a vigorous practice to be sitting there with someone who has come to you for help. And they're paying you for your help. And the 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 feeling is I don't have all the answers or like, oh God. I don't want to think about this or I don't want to deal with this or the judgments are coming up, you know, and the judgments come up because that's the thickness and stickiness of their own belief about themselves and they're so committed to it, it's really, really challenging not to buy in and agree with them. So that's, you know, that's how I learned. I I have to rise above this. I am not in agreement with this. No way, Jose. You know, and um, it's it requires of us that we strengthen our mind, our heart, our commitment to a profound degree. And that's why it's so deeply healing to become an expert in this. And, and in my mind, uh, in some ways, working in, let's say, psychiatry, or psychology, um, you know, people come for diagnosis. But what is the, 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 you know, diagnosis? What is the prognosis? What is the problem? Let's put a label on it. 
And then I can say, oh, I have ADD. I have OCD. I have this, I have that. You know, I mean, we're saying, no, no, you're perfect, whole, and complete. And that ADD, OCD, all of that, that's karma. That's your belief system. And it actually has only the amount of power that you invest in it. And I am here to hold your perfection so that you can hold it too. And we're going to, by my holding it, there's going to be a vibrational shift because I'm going to bring you into resonance with my belief system my knowing the truth of you, rather, and by joining with me, you're going to have a healing. And it's not that I'm healing you, it's you're agreeing to know the truth about you by joining with me, and I, because I am committed to only knowing the truth about you. So holding that space for a client when they are vigorously arguing for their limitations strengthens you far beyond just about anything you can encounter. There will be many times in counseling people when you think, you know what, I'm going to pay you this time. Because you have helped me to strengthen my heart and mind so much, I'm going to start paying you. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, I definitely have experiences of moving through some real karmic stuff right now where I, I, I'm seeing where I kept people in prison of my opinion, you know, or I... Yep. I energized a diagnosis rather than knowing the truth about them. Um, and, uh, I mean, it's just, sometimes it, sometimes it gets really intense and, I don't know, I guess it's probably a conversation for a different time, but I, I sometimes I question, like, how do you, you know, love people but not, you know, let them sort of run wild, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's, you know, I mean, I'm... Well, looking... lo loving someone does not mean letting them run wild. I know. Uh, yeah, it's challenging. Sometimes, I mean, I get frustrated sometimes. And, you know, it's funny. Like, I find myself, when it's someone that I've been working with or something, I get resentful. I get resentful that they are working through something. Um and uh and I get resentful that I you know, I get resentful at myself for allowing that to happen, you know. Um but I kinda wanna give other people an opportunity to share. I know I mean it's on the call because I could talk for days about this stuff. <laughs> well, I think it I think it's helpful to talk about it, but yes, let's um let's see if Amina would like to share something. Hi, am I the only other one? Yes. Oh, hi. Good to talk to you both. 
I am um, starting not feeling well. Yeah, I just I did not sleep well, and I woke up just feeling tired and headachy, and I needed to go to the office and take care of some things. But I also realized I didn't really have to stay there once I did that, and I was like, I'm going home. So yeah. you know, I just got home and um, called in. I'm feeling a little inward and quiet today. Um, just everything that you and Jennifer were talking about was really helpful. I mean, I think we all go through that in different ways. And one of the things that came up for me is, you know, yeah, really looking at the judgments and, and having compassion and, and like you said, remembering the times that you haven't been as diligent or devoted to what you know is most supportive and what your even heart your your heart intention is and still somehow we don't do it you know so just having compassion for that um i'm going through a lot <laughs> and it's really great and it's really challenging. I don't really know how much I feel like sharing. Um, but, yeah, there's there's lots going on in here. And um, I'm tired. <laughs> uh, I realized I had such resistance to sharing today. And um, then I looked at my... Uh, then I remember the Facebook post I made about how it blocks flow when you don't share. <laughs> I mean, you don't give your gifts. You don't share. I'm like, oh, can you be a hypocrite now today? So, anyway. Um, all that well, you don't, <laughs> yeah. You don't have to share. Yeah. I um But yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting time. I'm not doing a lot of work with clients right now. Um but I am working a lot with um practitioners in our class. We're supporting each other really, really deeply and beautiful beautifully and we're doing you know, we're working with the tools, we're talking with each other constantly and um I was telling Jesse last night, it just it feels like, oh, this is how we're learning to do this, you know, just by really doing it together and um, just walking through the fire, you know, hand in hand. It, just, it feels really great. Yes, I understand. Yeah. So, um, Jesse, let's go back to that particular client. Sure. Okay. So, and I'm going to invite you to restate again um, uh, what... um, um, what would you say the core core issue is? 
I would say that she moves through an experience of feeling bullied and threatened in her in almost every every area of her life. Mm. Threatened and what? Bullied. Bullied. In every area. And so you you have the sense, and your sense is that this is not actually happening, it's her perception. I would say that she makes mountains out of molehills. Or she will, and and to be quite honest, I feel like some of it is made up in her mind. Yeah, well, isn't that how it works here? <laughs> in the illusion, it's all made up in our mind and projected out. So the core issue of feeling threatened and bullied is what? Core issue feeling threatened and bullied is, um, well, I what comes up for me initially is unworthiness. A feeling of uh, a belief that she's um, not worthy of being safe that she is, or that there's something wrong with her that would, you know, um, incite this, uh, what she believes is specific behaviors in other people around her. And that there's, you know, that it's possible to be under attack. Now, I've, I've worked with people who, uh, had been attacked and been bullied. They were raised in a household where periodic expressions of violence, you know, drawing blood and sending people to the hospital was, uh, that was a, you know, periodic appearance, uh, uh, situation, a reality in the household. And also the threat of those eruptions was near constant. And so for someone like that, one of the big life issues is safety. Is it safe? Right. Is it safe for me? Well, and, uh-huh. may I share, because uh, I think this is actually, it, this is part of what I understand, uh, sort of like in her file, since this is a confidential circle about this. and. Um, she was raised, um, uh, her family's, uh, she's immigrant from Russia, uh, and she's Jewish, uh, and, um, I think that a common conversation and flow of, uh, uh, the story of their family was that they weren't safe and that people were going to hate them because they were Jewish and Russian. And, um, I think that was, uh, generational given to her from her parents and so she um she shares about like being just in elementary school and how kids hated her because she was jewish and 
Russian, uh, and she felt very much, um, you know, not taken care of, and uh, that she was always going to be, uh, felt like she was going to be constantly under attack um, at school when she was a little girl, when she first came, with, and she had an accent, and she had all these things, and so she felt very, uh, uh, and I think her parents sort of affirmed that for her, that she had to be careful and that people are going to hate her because of this. Right. So, as you know, our situations and circumstances are our karma healing opportunities, that we literally choose these situations and circumstances in order to heal the karma. So we are not born into a family with uh, alcoholic parents who beat us uh, randomly. You know, this is something we would choose because it gives us our best opportunity for healing the patterns that we have. So if we take it from that point of view that these family patterns and beliefs and the circumstances and situations of this person's life are for their karmic healing opportunity. And let's say the pattern, to me the pattern, what went to first in my mind was safety, and then the next one based on what you just said is otherness, feeling the other. And that's, uh, these are extremely common patterns for people. And a lot of people will make decisions that will compromise their happiness in order to create some sense of safety. Very, very common. If you look at what happened in the United States after the 9-11 attacks, um, uh, what the, the, the thing that was put to the American people, would you rather feel safe or would you rather feel free? We'll, if you give us your freedom, if you give it to Homeland Security, we will keep you safe. And the basic overwhelming response from the American people was, yeah, freedom's not that important, but safety is much more important. So in her mind, it sounds like being vigilant for all possible forms of attack is how she's going to stay safe. That makes sense, for sure. So, you can't guarantee her safety. Only her vigilance can keep her safe, is what she's thinking. Yeah, there's some spark in her that she's aware that her mindset is not helping her. It's not producing the results she'd really like, which are freedom, happiness, wholeness, harmony, joy, love, peace, etc. So... Oftentimes, the best way to counsel someone 
Well, inevitably, the best way to counsel someone is to ask them the question that will lead them to their own realization of truth. Because if they have their own realization of truth, then it actually is happening in them. You can tell them the truth. Think of venerable. Venerable is telling the truth like with a slam dunk every time. And every single class that she teaches, if people could really listen to it fully, would solve every problem they have. Just one class. And they just fully understood one class and listened to it over and over again until it made perfect sense to them, they would, you know, dissolve every problem that they have. But telling somebody the truth is so different from holding the truth for them and asking them questions that help them find it in their own Awareness, because it's there. So when you're working with her, how, how does the session go? Is it your, are you trying to teach her the truth? Or are you asking her questions to help her become more clear about what she's really thinking and believing? I would say both. She... Um... She, I was, I should say, we found each other actually at a coffee shop. I was um, just sitting there with Chris, and he was working, and I was working, and she came up to me, and she saw some of the books that I was reading because I was preparing for class, for uh, practitioner class. She goes, are you a counselor? Do you teach this stuff? And I was like, uh, let's come over here. Yes, I do. And she asked if I could help her, and so I gave her my information. She has no... Um, experience with uh sort of our approach uh with our with the philosophy um and so i think that i've gently uh been inviting her i've been sharing what i believe you know um before i offer insights and feedback and walk her through um uh walk her through sort of inquiry, some inquiry that will support her in doing what you just said, is uh, being able to understand the patterns herself. So I, I think it, it, was, it was a little of, there's been a little of both. So What it feels like is she was clearly sent to you to help you to understand this pattern so that you can help many people. So the the when when people when it comes to safety people often 
will cling like their life depends upon it to that mental pattern because in their mind, it's protecting them from dying. And so the idea of that it's creating the problem, that's a tough nut for them. Because in their mind, no, no, no. This is keeping me from being killed. So I, what I would do in working with them is really focus on asking them questions to help them discern for themselves. And this is, of course, uh, the number one spiritual, well, this is the counseling strategy of of, uh, working with a person is helping them to illuminate their own patterns in their own mind so they can see it for themselves. So I would focus on that, and I would give them homework. Do you give her homework? Yeah. What kind of homework do you give her? Well, initially it was um, uh, uh, gratitude lists, just to start journaling uh, in the morning. Um, And uh, because she was, it felt like she was in such despair that I felt if she could just begin to at least be introduced to the uh, the practice of of preparing her thinking in the beginning of the day, it would really benefit her. And I feel like it did. Right. And then uh, we started doing forgiveness letters. And uh, she would do a forgiveness letter. A week. Each week she does a forgiveness letter. And we kind of put that down for a while, but I I really felt intuitively to go back to it. And uh, uh, and it's the the format that's on your forgiveness letters. I'm having her do, and it's been really pretty good. Um, and uh, those having, are, go ahead. Has she been having any realizations? Yeah, uh-huh. well, she she has. I mean, she's beginning to. Uh, she's actually beginning to see that um, maybe. Uh, maybe she is um, creating a story where there isn't a story. Uh, an example would be her neighbor. She felt like her neighbor, like someone from her school had talked to her neighbor and her neighbor hated her because of that. And I said, you know, and we start, I just started asking her, I'm like, does your neighbor know anyone from school? And she's like, no. And he's like, so, um, she goes, but she had this sort of, story so we just sort of deconstructed the story and then um i had her do a forgiveness letter to for her neighbor and she came back and she said that she understands that she uh created a fantasy that it was a fantasy that she had done and that was actually a huge step yeah for sure you know jennifer i'd like to share too i just had like such a parting of the clouds aha moment in this conversation that um you know I was I was talking to uh I had a couple people last week, you know, um 
you know, like in in a ministerial position, people will just point out things that they don't like about what you're doing or what's going on with the organization, and just sort of complain, not without any real sense of <laughs> of that's solutions. That. That that's, that's why it's good to have a suggestion box. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's a good idea. Um, and uh, you know, and I was feeling a little discouraged in in a moment, so I took the dogs on a walk, and and uh, I got that I'm at a point with Inspire and with my um, ministry that I got to where I feel like I got to with, like, um, with many places in my career in my life, and this is where sort of the fear of success kicked in, and I would sabotage myself in some way. I would just, and that sabotage looked like a realization that I want to do something else, and I would just throw everything away and start from scratch. And I felt that feeling come up, and um, and what I, the aha moment that I had was, um, this person and, um, you know, my experience with Kelly is, which is still very much, you know, in the pot, uh, that's what, that's my healing in that of not giving up and not being, because what I like to do is just close the chapter on it, but it's that opportunity to not give up and not uh, walk away. And that's sort of, it feels a bit of like an initiation into really standing in it, um, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. And, you know, that's also a, um, that's a seven thing. You know, it's very strong in the seven mind that the grass is greener. And also the seven uh, uh, personality, um, the Epicure personality loves um to create, and uh, sevens often love the whole idea of um, creating and making something, uh, uh, and and even just brainstorming about it. The the the, the golden glittering perfection of something in the future is often more, much more tantalizing or interesting than uh, working through the challenges of the thing that was so tantalizing last year, you know, and bringing that to fruition. Um, so that that's just a, also a personality thing, maybe. And, you know, it's – and to recognize, oh, yes, then this is a form of self-sabotage. And and to really go back to the, the vision of why you started on the thing that you're thinking of quitting – in the first place, and and to really uh, tune into the energy of all the benefits you're creating and and the magnificence of it, because it's still just as magnificent. And the ability to persevere through the um, the challenges um, is. Uh, it's a tremendous skill to have, and it also uh, completely strengthens and improves your life and uh, takes you into a land where things are very much better. And, um, and uh, you know, there's that beautiful quote from the um, 
Himalayan expedition where he quotes from Goethe, you know, and he says basically, in all things that we, all adventures that we would take on, there will always be moments when it seems uh, easier and more beneficial to quit. That That's inevitable. Uh, and then he quotes Goethe and he says, boldness has genius and magic in it. And um, it's, it's that um, fire in our heart, in our willingness to hold the vision of the benefit of the thing that you're working on that burns away the uh, temporary seeming blocks. And, um, and the thing to do is, uh, and I need to wrap this up because I have another thing, but the thing to do is, and I have done this, believe me, uh, many times. In fact, you know, uh, I remember I was, um, I remember the day that uh, you came to my house, I think it was the day of the Gay Pride Parade, and you said, look, I, I want to quit Project Service LA. I just, I just don't want to do it anymore. I don't enjoy it. I don't want to do it. I don't remember exactly what you said, and I don't remember exactly what I said. But do you remember that? Yeah, I talk about that all the time. I talk about the power. It was a really transformation. I mean, that changed my life, that power in um, not allowing someone to lower their own bar to talking to the potential in someone and, and breathing in the vision. It's really powerful. Yeah. Moving through the moving so, through the fire, like Amina said. Yeah. So it, it, briefly, what what were you feeling? at that time because I don't remember exactly what happened I just remember you said you wanted to quit um, I think it was that feeling that um, nobody else was very much into it and uh, felt like we were doing a lot of work with not a lot of payoff and um, payoff meaning people just weren't really showing up the way that we were hoping that they would. People weren't as inspired as we were, as I was hoping that they would be, you know, some whatever fantasy that I had about it, you know. And um, and that it just felt like we were just giving so much and people didn't care. So what's the point? What changed your mind? Uh, you, uh, you. But what did I say? What did I say that that triggered something in you? You just said there's something, and I don't remember exactly what you said, but you just said this work that we do is so important. Let it be important. Know that this is just, it's just, um, and you just said, you know, what would happen if you didn't quit? Really think about that. Know that this is this is a calling, and it's so beneficial. And people do need this. People are ready, and they will be. But let this be important. Yeah, I just remember you said that. Let this be important because it is. Well, you see, and the community was mirroring you. Yep. 
and the clients mirror us too. If it bothers us, they're mirroring us. If it doesn't bother us, they're not. But regardless of whether they're bothering us or we're inspired by them, it's still for our healing too. We're either there to, you know, there's always a receiving of a gift and a giving of a gift. And that's every interchange. Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah, because you you know, as you learn about the patterns that this woman is experiencing, you crack the code in your own mind, then she will crack the code right away. Because it's like the hundredth monkey. Get it? Yep. You know what I mean when I say it's like the hundredth monkey? Yeah, no, I totally get it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, for me, like, I'm not quitting until that hundredth monkey shows up. Because I know the power of that hundredth monkey. And it makes me feel emotional because when that hundredth monkey does show up, I want to fall to my knees and say, I'm so glad I didn't quit. Thank you, God. This was worth even more than I could have imagined. I'll join you. Exactly, you know. So it's not easy. It's not... Look, the hardest part of this job, of counseling, of ministry, of being a human being, The hardest part of it is people's personalities. That is the hardest part because people's personalities are largely projections of the ego. And the ego, all the ego wants to do is go, oh, you're so fabulous, you're so wonderful. Oh, wait a minute. No, you're so bad, you're so wrong. No, I need you. Oh, but you're so bad. Oh, but now you're so wonderful. And oh, could you just be more like I want you to? It's like, shut up. And so I was was right the other day. Oh, go ahead. We have to tune to the radio frequency that doesn't hear any of that. Literally. And where we can observe it, but we're not struggling with it anymore. And that's our work to do, and that's what the clients help us do. So one last comment, then uh, i got to go. Yeah, they're good at that. They're really good at strengthening that. (laughs) That's what their job. That's their job. Yeah. I was writing the other day, and this phrase came out. It says, how am I going to master unconditional love if I can't even get unconditional like under my belt? Yeah. (laughs) I understand. I know. Well, we don't have to like everyone. We really don't. Yeah, no, I know. (laughs) You know, we can love people without liking them. We absolutely can. There's there's that phrase I just heard. Um, 
just because we just because you love them unconditionally doesn't mean you have to take them to, to lunch. Or you can That's love right. them unconditionally, but you don't have to take them to lunch. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right. We're grateful and thankful right now to know the love of God is all that there is and all that we are. We know this for ourselves, our clients, everyone in our world. And we are grateful and thankful for everyone just as they are. We're grateful and thankful for every opportunity to live a life of love and to demonstrate it fully and completely with our whole heart. In grace and in gratitude, we share the benefits of our loving life with everyone because we're one with them. In grace and gratitude, we let it be, and so it is. Amen. 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 Thank you. I love you. I love, love you. Love you. Have a beautiful rest of your day. Thanks. You too. Bye. Bye. The moderator has left the conference.
The conference is now completed. Goodbye. Welcome to the conference. Please enter the conference ID, followed by the pound key. Thank you. Guest ID accepted.